Christian Van Camp is a holistic lifestyle coach specializing in nutrition, energy, and performance. You may have come across Christian on Instagram at CVC Wellness, where Christian shares fun and informative reels, challenging his audience to rethink how to eat, move, and live. There's a wealth of information in this episode. Get out the notebook because there are some practical takeaways around nutrition, mindfulness, and movement as well as some life-altering insights on gratitude and how to live in harmony with our bodies. Remember to stick around for my wrap-up at the end of this captivating and insightful discussion with Christian Van Camp. Christian, welcome to the podcast, man. It's a, it's a pleasure to finally connect. I recognize your backdrop from your Instagram videos. Is this the man cave? This is the man cave, man. This is the the Zen Den, indeed. Yeah, I do. Uh, I have a couple clients here in person. Most of my clientele is online, and so I work as you know the coaching online with the holistic approach, a lot of lifestyle based stuff with nutrition and fitness is sprinkled in there quite a bit too. But uh, generally speaking, this is just my little like office slash home gym for myself in many ways. Living in Arkansas now, it seems quite rural and. A lot of nature comes through in your video. Is that similar to where you grew up in St. Louis? St. Louis had sprinkled amounts of it. Mostly I was in the suburban town area just outside of like downtown St. Louis, which is the city limits. But, you know, I'm more captivated to where I'm at now because it's much more immersed into the nature and like forests and whatnot. More Southern in the area I'm at now is it's it's like the Ozarks. If you guys have seen the show Ozark and stuff like that, a lot of people use that as a good example of it. But yeah, it's just immersed into a lot of the, the forestry and I really love that. And also just driving down the street, like I went to a gym uh, around a local gym here and just on the outskirts of the gym is a massive pasture of just cows just grazing in the wild. So it, it's great, man. I love it a lot. Yeah, just having that connection to the land, it just has this immediate calming effect on your nervous system, right? Yeah, huge, man. I mean, one of the biggest tips I can recommend to people that's helped me tremendously is we're so close-knit on our phones and tech. Like even right now, I'm looking at a screen that's a couple feet away from my face. Like that is something we've never delved into for long bouts of time throughout human history and our evolution. You know, in our primal days, we would spend a lot of time looking off in the distance, admiring the scene, seeing where we're scouting to, hiking to, whatever. But nowadays, we're so close-knit and everything. Everything is just so within five feet of a distance. And so our eyes aren't getting this 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 optic flow, this ability to contract the tiny muscles within the eyes and the, the visual cortex. And so it's you know really important for our overall psyches and mental health and nervous system specifically to look off in the distance. So my favorite part about nature that's helped me tremendously is really just admiring a distant like horizon and just looking over into the hills, the mountains, the whatever it may be in the distance. And that can just help calm that nervous system down is that 360 panoramic view, right? Versus just like this box we're in all the time. So nature is foundational, man. In your content, you mentioned how your former lifestyle, you had some unhealthy habits and it prompted a transformation for you. Would you mind taking us through how your old lifestyle might have looked and what prompted a change? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just to give you a day in the life example of how I, you know, progressed throughout a day is I would wake up, immediately default to my phone uh, and be on that for like an hour, scrolling, giving energy to others, slowly get out of bed. And yeah, my day would basically just be immersed into a lot of technology. I would uh, really seek things outside of myself for for fulfillment uh, versus looking inward for that fulfillment, if that makes sense. When it comes to defining my purpose, it was a lot of exogenous outside things I would reach for. And 
you know, this could be alcohol, this could be cannabis, um, it could be fast food, it could be hanging out with friends versus prioritizing time alone and solitude and really uh, getting to know who I am um, by trying new hobbies and things and just meditating for that matter. So a day in the life for me was really pulled towards all of that. I really enjoyed partying. I loved hanging out with friends, socializing. It's all great to do that, but it's the balancing act that's most important for all of us uh, to be able to really have the fruits of life is that kind of work-life balance in a sense um, or that work-play balance is a better way to describe it versus play, 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 play. And that work, when I say the word work, I mean like inner work as well, not just like working on things uh, that don't necessarily have a direct mission associated with it, but it's like really that inner work and that work that you can put into the world uh, versus just the play, play, play. So yeah, I mean, man, it's all about that cascade of the two and the duality of the two, which creates that unity in life in many ways. So for me, you know, prioritizing a lot of that time inward uh, as time went on uh, has been extremely you know, impactful for where I'm at now. It's interesting to hear you talk about that duality because I think there might be a misconception that once people really make that transformation that they have to abandon the side of them which does appreciate the occasional party, the occasional drink. Is it about just being intentional about the way you do use alcohol or the way you do party or is it completely removing it from your life? I think restrictions create, like if you're restricting anything in life, Nick, like as you know, you're putting energy towards it, ironically. Even though it may seem like you're pushing away from it, energy is going towards that. So it's like the law of attraction. If you have a a relationship with someone, you hold a grudge towards someone, that energy is going towards them when it really could be diverted somewhere else that's fulfilling in your life or helping you out. I don't drink alcohol really ever, but... You know, if there is an occasion where it's like a holiday or something, I'll have a you know a drink or two and enjoy it because I know I put the deep intention into like you know I'm going to have this because the environment and where I'm at with friends it pertains to a good time you know and it works out well and my intention is not to drink more than two or whatever. None of these things. I think if we get to the headspace where nothing is innately good or bad, then we're in a headspace of freedom, right? If we start labeling things as this is good, this is bad then it starts becoming a toxic relationship with everything else in life. So so I think intention is really the groundwork of everything in life is how do we solidify, not necessarily having a good or bad, but is this something that is serving me in this moment or not serving me in this moment? Was there a moment that prompted you to make this transformation to the person you are today? Or was it more of a gradual shift? Yeah, yeah. People ask me that a lot and it's, it's hard for me to answer it because there's, it's multifaceted, you know, just as all of us in our life, like there's so many different guiding forces. Um, some, some of us may have just one big brute like moment that guided us somewhere. For me, it was an incremental experience. I, I had many experiences. Uh, my biggest catalyst for natural living, fitness, nutrition, this whole gamut of health and my immersion into it started with my family and the origins with my family. So I had a lot of uh, quote unquote trauma. I don't necessarily label it as trauma because then there's an association and label, you know, as like that's bad. But really this these experiences of difficulty with my family's health, my health inspired me into this positivity today. So I look at it as something I'm very grateful for. Um, And so my little sister Nina had a heart transplant back in March of 2014. For about three months prior, however, she was in the hospital bed under synthetic lights, all the beeping, uh, the cold AC of the room, just like just total, you know, how hospitals are just totally disconnected from natural like feelings of healing. Uh, it's such a weird phenomenon. So at a young age, I was seeing her in the hospital 
for three months, visiting her every once in a while, and her heart was failing. She had pneumonia. She was losing a ton of weight. She was under 100 pounds. And my mom and dad were staying with her quite a bit. And it was a very uh, difficult time just seeing her go through all this and basically anticipating she's going to die. She's going to pass from this world. You know, I have to meditate on this and see how I'm going to get through this. And, you know, she's still alive today, doing a lot better. But all that being said, it, you know, seeing the pharmaceutical hospital Western medicine side of things, it has its beauty of, you know, acute injuries or something that, you know, you break an arm, you break a limb, you need something to, you have some toxicity to clean your body real quick. Awesome. But for a lot of these health issues we have today, it's such a crutch and band-aid that it's not something that's really addressing the root cause of why people are sick and ill. And so seeing Nina, she wouldn't be alive today if it weren't for Western healing. Like that literally heart transplant kept her alive on this planet. So I saw all of that side of things. And then I also saw the corruption within it of the food she was being fed, like the hospital and what foods they had at the hospital. It's like, you know, canned green beans devoid of any nutrients whatsoever. Uh, Muffins, like just foods that have absolutely no nutrition density. Seeing her, you know, getting fed that or provided that, how the hospital just felt with the the light bulbs flashing and just the energy around it disconnected from all of nature, no fresh air, no sunlight. It just, all that I started like waking up at, at a very young age, like this is strange, you know? And it started just putting little like trinkets of like this or trinkets of like, okay, this is something I'm kind of getting inspired by. Right. And then seeing her heal thereafter with natural healing, a lot of like Ayurvedic practices from ancient India and things like just eating nutritious foods and having her get back on her feet with her gut health and healing that was like the catalyst for her actually progressing in life that much further. So that was like the the Eastern philosophies I started you know, learning more about and studying. And so it's a diverse array of things, but primarily my little sister, Nina, huge, huge catalyst for me getting down this track. Nutrition forms a large part of your content. Are there any key foundations or key principles that you encourage your audience or your clients to abide by? Yeah, nutritionally speaking, simplicity is what's going to get your results. Not all the complexities that's pertained on social media. You know, do this, this one hack and this will help you lose 20 pounds of fat. Or, you know, this is the best thing for energy. Take this up. It's like, those are all quick fixes for one. And it's very convoluted. So how do we get to back to the simple roots? Well, number one thing I can recommend is with nutrition is just eat a a fair amount of protein. Like I'm a huge advocate of a high protein diet. So a good example is 0.7 grams per pound of body weight. That'd be for kilos. I believe 1.2 grams per kilogram. And so, you know, getting around those lines is going to be extremely beneficial. So this could be about 40 grams per three meals a day. That's a good kind of breakdown I like to follow. So, you know, you can start your first meal with six eggs if you can eat that much. You know, put some hemp seeds on there. Boom, you're at around like, just around that sweet spot of 40 grams for that first meal. Three to four or five hours later, you can have another meal that's a big smoothie that has a good amount of protein in it. Uh, then the last meal, have some grass-fed beef, right? Some good staples like that and hit that 40 grams again. You know, if you hit around that 100 to 120 grams a day, protein's king. It's going to help you out with satiation, being full. It's going to increase your thermic effect and uh, your ability to boost your metabolism because protein takes energy to break down. Um, and so that's a huge one. And also as we age, you know, it helps prevent atrophy, muscle atrophy and breakdown of our tissues. And so having a high protein diet can really be helpful in those regards. Right. So I would say just protein can be helpful and cut out, you know, harmful vegetable oils and processed sugars. Good example right there too, is like a good uh, pillar. I like to follow is just, you know, limit 
Uh, the four white devils for the processed sugars. So the four white devils are white flour, any synthetic white flour, mostly any, pretty much any breads whatsoever. The next one is sodium, just pure sodium, not salt. So I'm a huge advocate of good quality salt, mineral rich salt, uh, like Celtic or Redmond, but I'm not a fan of salt that is stripped away of those minerals and heated to high temperatures and highly processed basically restaurant salt that you try. It's just white, right? So white salt, white table salt, white sugar is a big one, stripped away of any of the natural sugars. It was you know, created by better alternatives to white sugar. Raw honey, some organic raw honey or some 100% pure maple syrup. Great options right there. And then lastly is pasteurized milk. So pasteurized milk is definitely a no-go because it's heated to temperatures where it's destroying the enzymes and the natural probiotics. So better alternative would be raw milk if you can tolerate it. Or even better, just plain old coconut milk, pure coconut milk. Um, I don't really recommend playing around with any of the plant-based milks because a lot of them have carrageenans and synthetic emulsifiers and things in them today. And a lot of them, even if they're organic, have pesticide residues in them. So there's a whole bunch of stuff. But you know, I would say the four white devils, protein, those are some good foundations to start off with when it comes to going um, on your nutrition journey. So you mentioned eggs for brekkie. Do you have breakfast? Are you are you into fasting or what? Take me through sort of your morning routine and on a nutritional basis. Yeah, yeah. So I start my day immediately with a, a big hydrating cup of filtered water. Um, so I do like 20 to 32 ounces, about a liter of water, you know, half a liter of water. Um, and I do that, drink that down. But the key here, the key aspect of this that I add every morning to it is the salt. So it could be a half a teaspoon of salt, the good mineral rich salt, or an electrolyte powder scoop. I do electrolytes personally every morning. Uh, Redmond's an awesome brand I like. Um, so I do that. That's my elixir. And then I add some things, some extras to it uh, most of the time. And it's apple cider vinegar usually. Um, have you tried that before, apple cider vinegar? I have, yes. I've gone through phases of apple cider vinegar. I'm out of one now, but do you reckon I should get back into it? Yeah, I, I reckon, man. I think it's great. I think it's one of those things like, uh, you know, just the the research on it and just how I feel from taking it. It's good for blood sugar regulation. It stimulates the gut health and the acidity of the gut. Uh, so before meals, it can help out with that. But the blood sugar is a big part of it. So that can help out with, uh, you know, insulin sensitivity and metabolizing fat later on. So the fat loss is great from that. So every morning, just about a teaspoon, a little splash of that in there. And then I do a whole lemon juiced, a whole organic lemon juiced with that. Get some good vitamin C and and other uh, you know healthy compounds in that in the morning. That's my little elixir. Sometimes I'll add some other supplements to it for gut health and detoxing the gut. But I start my day with that. Then I'll typically you know break my fast officially about two hours after wake with a cup of coffee, uh, and I'll usually add you know one to two tablespoons of grass fed butter. Um, I'll add sometimes even some good quality whey isolate to it just to make it a protein pimped out coffee. Um, I'll add some Ceylon cinnamon, which is awesome. It's super tasty. Cacao to it, a little dash of salt. And that's usually a go-to every morning on that. Some raw honey occasionally. Um, so I'll usually sip on that for like an hour or two. And then I eat my first meal right around noon. And so just to give you a perspective, I wake up at 7 a.m. every morning. Um, and then around noon, I'll have my first meal usually. Uh, and a good example today, I just had a smoothie to start off. Some days I'll do like the six eggs, some steamed greens, maybe some carrots with that, some raw carrots, uh, you know, some good quality fats like extra virgin olive oil. I'm a huge advocate of that. Extra virgin olive oil is chock full of oleocanthal, which is a powerful antioxidant. And it's been shown to be just as effective as low dose ibuprofen or Iadvil at uh, reducing inflammation. Uh, and it's it's really powerful. Like just imagine like you could take some 
you know, NSAIDs or whatever, some non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs that are terrible for your gut lining uh, and aren't really addressing the roots of your inflammation. Or you can take some olive oil, some extra virgin, good quality olive oil, you know? So I usually guzzle like with my food usually, but like three to five tablespoons of olive oil a day. So I'm a huge fan of that. But uh, yeah, usually then my first meal is with that. Some type of vegetables, the eggs, good quality fat. Uh, sometimes I'll have extra carbs with that if I'm training that day. So it just depends. But that's usually a breakdown for that first meal. You are a wealth of knowledge, my friend. That's super helpful. Thank you for sharing that. Besides your morning elixir and the coffee, do you strive for variety with your diet? I know that particularly with gut health, it's really important to, to strive for a variety of different vegetables. Do you try and mix it up or you generally stick to the same sort of things each day? Yeah, yeah. So the literature is really confusing. Fi different Getting different fiber in is helpful for diversifying the gut microbiome, but it doesn't necessarily equate to a more robust gut, which is so confusing, right? So you're diversifying your microbiome through getting different fibers from veg veggies and, and fruit and whatnot. However, it doesn't necessarily equate to a more robust gut, but it can improve your immune system in different ways. So yes, going off of that, I absolutely love to do a uh, cyclical approach when it comes to my diet. So just about three times a week, I'll have grass-fed beef. Sometimes I'll switch that up to pasture-raised chicken. Sometimes it, you know the eggs are usually non-negotiable every day. Sardines are a staple in my diet, sockeye salmon. So that's like the proteins, right? I'll mix and match that throughout the week, getting different sources of that. And then when it comes to veggies, I'm always switching that up too. So I'll do like cilantro, parsley, basil. I'll get all the different herbs. I'm a huge fan of herbs and fresh herbs. Uh, rosemary, I'm a huge fan of as well. Um, so those herbs, I'm always mixing and matching. That's going to feed the microbiome in different ways and increase the diversity of the fibers. On top of that, I'll do like, okay, maybe one day I'll just do asparagus. Some other days I'll do broccoli. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of like arugula and, you know, switching up that every once in a while. So mixing and matching that kind of stuff, definitely. But I always recommend if you're getting started on this journey of really optimizing your nutrition is just find a foundation with like two to three meals you can mix and match throughout the week for particular times of the day. So like breakfast, find two to three meals you can just alternate with. For lunch, alternate two to three meals. Dinner, alternate two to three meals. If not, just find one that's really good for you. That's going to help you get the best results. You know, limiting like diversity in that degree is a great way to start when you're getting started on your journey. And then when you're really intuitive with what clicks with your biology and health, you can start mixing and matching and throwing in new things. So like sometimes I'll throw in nuts that I don't eat rarely. Like I just bought a whole bunch of walnuts. I haven't had them in like three months. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to eat walnuts here and there and get a handful a day. Other times I'll just like try out Brazil nuts. I'll mix and match macadamia. So I'll switch and mix, mix and match the nuts for instance. But um, that's when you get to that intuitive approach. It's like, oh, I haven't had this in a while. I'm sure my body's lacking a nutrient from this unique food, right? Um, that's a good way to go about it. But like I said, find staple items you can constantly go back to that are nutrient dense. Uh, and that makes you really fill in the foundations first. Okay, let's move from nutrition to movement and exercise. Christian, I'm a little bit disappointed you've got your shirt on today because on Instagram, the shirt's off. The rig is looking super sharp, my friend. And what I love about the content you share around movement is it's based around simplicity as well. And it, it was interesting to me that you say that you train weights three times a week. My philosophy around three days a week, if you're hitting it super hard and with heavy weights, 
it's taxing on the nervous system. And so I find that if you really challenge yourself for 45 minutes to an hour, three days a week, you're going to get great results with that. And so I like to focus on somewhat of a push-pull lays kind of routine when it comes to fitness. Uh, and that's for the weightlifting side of things. So it's not like I'm training only three days a week. Like I train like every day in a way. I'm always moving consistently. That's like the number one hack as well. If you really want to change your body composition, just move frequently, like just constantly move. Walk 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 steps a day if you can. Mobilize every day, right? That's a big foundation. But I train, you know, if I'm weight training, it's usually three days a week. But if I'm doing like cardiovascular training or HIIT training, I'll do that once or twice a week in between those days. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm training more than three days a week, but that's like the heavy weightlifting part that really changes your body composition is focusing on that hypertrophy and that muscle building. I'll quote unquote cheat and I'll do four days a week. Sometimes I'll even do five because I'm really feeling good that week and I've rested well, I've slept well. And so uh, it just depends. You know, I've trained the past three days in a row so far and I'm feeling really good from that. So it just depends on how well I'm fueling the inputs versus the outputs. So I like to say working in versus working out. Like if you're working in with your sleep, your nutrition, your stress levels is really immaculate and perfect, then your output could be higher, right? But if your inputs are shit and you're not eating well and you're stressed out and you're not sleeping well and all the things that come with it, then your output's going to go down, right? So it depends on individuality in many ways, but that's, uh, that's the groundwork of the philosophy of three days a week. I guess it goes back to listening to your body. If you're if you're feeling good, jump on that. But if your if your body and your nervous system need some rest, you've got to honor that and and make sure that you're you're sleeping, you're eating well, and and not forcing it because that's going to cause problems, isn't it? It's all about like listening to that deep intuition. Like another good example of this is pretty epic. Is like okay, let's say you're magnesium deficient, Nick. Let's say you haven't had magnesium in a while and you're really deficient. You may have this craving to have cacao or dark chocolate. You're like, I don't know why, but I just want some dark chocolate. And the reason you want it is probably because it's high in magnesium. So your body's naturally, that intuition's reaching for that cacao because of that. Women are so intuitive, right? Just that feminine energy. And so, you know, when it comes to women, for example, especially when they're pregnant or they're about to have their baby or they did, they're very intuitive with nutrition. Like if they're craving something like red meat, eat that red meat. That's like your body saying, eat that. It's loaded up in iron and B12 and the uh, amino acids for the growing baby, all that. So that's one of those things I think, you know, intuition can be mis miscommunicated in many ways, but it's really, once you start cleansing your body over time, the intuition really is something you can trust deep down. For so many of our habits and for nutrition, for movement, for mindfulness, it all does come back to simplicity and we make it difficult for ourselves by being distracted by and seeking those short-term dopamine hits. Simplicity is often the hardest thing to do, but it's the most important. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I was just talking about this the other day with a buddy of mine and how you know we referenced earlier the whole idea of carnivore and vegan and these strict diets. Carnivore is literally just eating nose to tail like animals and stuff. Awesome. I'm a big proponent of that. Vegans eating a lot of nutritious, at least the idea is to eat a lot of nutritious and a diverse array of plants and fruit. Awesome. I'm a big fan of that. Keto, for example, is just eating fats and proteins. You're limiting carbs to a massive degree uh, with whatever goal you have in mind. So all of these diets, for example, have their place. And it's easy for us to 
dive into a container as humans and say, all of this outside of this is not what I'm going to have. And all this in this box is what I am going to have. So much easier to do that versus having the spectrum open and all the cards on the table and picking up whatever feels right in that moment. So much easier because then there's less decisions to make. So we're creatures of habit in many ways. So if we have less decisions, it makes it easier to make a decision. Think about like when you go out to dinner and you have a menu option that's like there's 50,000 things on this menu and you're like, I don't know. I want that. I want that. That sounds really good. You know, the soup sounds good, but there's so many options. It's driving me nuts, right? Well, that's something that if you go to another restaurant, it has like a simple five, 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 five for appetizers, five. For, it's so much easier to choose what you want because it's like, okay, these are the five that are most commonly, these are just available. So that's the idea is like humans can make better decisions with less decisions. So Innofit is your program where you coach and have clients? Yeah, so I have a, a spectrum of different coaching options. I do a lot of one-on-ones, um, but about two to three times a year, I launch a massive group coaching program with guys from around the world. And that group coaching program is super potent. You know, we're in the amidst one right now. We're about four weeks into one right now. And it, these guys are just amazing. We've got 18 guys so far for this one. And it's just, it's so fun seeing everyone's growth and the collaboration and the support and the commune and the connection and the brotherhood. Uh, something that we're so scarce with nowadays. You know, if we look back into like 1980, 1990, uh, 40% of men who believed they had 10 or more close relationships like 40% of men believe they had 10 or more close re relationships. Today, it's down to 15% believing they have 10 or more close relationships, like close. So it's, it's, it's gone down pretty much a third of what it was about 20 years ago, 20 or 30 years ago. So it's really sad. And, you know, why is this happening? Well, of course, because of the tech revolution and many other factors come into play. But um, I find it something that's extremely invaluable is having – uh, these men come together online on weekly calls and, you know, having the uh, the group chat they have 24-7 access to and all the support. And uh, on top of that, the complete course they go through at the same rate. So, you know, this encapsulates mindset and purpose, nutrition and gut, schedule, sleep and stress, uh, fitness and movement, nature and sustainability and connection and communication. So these different pillars are what help you become that optimized man so you can go into the world just feeling empowered in daily life. So it's a, it's an epic program, man. But that's the group coaching. And then I do a lot of one-on-ones for an extreme personalized approach. If a bloke feels like there's a version of himself that he wants to become, he feels like he's not living up to his potential, where would you tell him to start? The bedrock of transformation starts with your mindset and purpose, where you're going with your purpose with all of this. And this isn't just the purpose of the program and what you want to get out of the program. The goals are important to set up, but it's really about like, where are you in life when it comes to like you actually making an impact on the greater good? Where Where's that coming from, right? A lot of us guys, including myself throughout my youth, is I had no idea where I was orienting my, my energy, right? I didn't even create a purpose. And that's one of those things I believe in is God doesn't just hand us a purpose on a silver platter and say, here, here's your purpose. It's like, no, he gives us the, uh, the opportunity to harness that ourselves and build it up from within, so that's one of those things we have this intellect as human beings to create a purpose. We aren't just surviving. We can thrive by creating this purpose. And so I help men in guiding them uh, along those lines of like, okay, where you are with your purpose, your mission statement, like where you want to go in life itself, 
how do we connect your health and your goals along those lines and the three-month goal or four-month goal or five-month goal we set up together in the program, how do we orient that towards that purpose? So that's like the top of the totem pole, right? Then it becomes like your core values connecting directly to that. And then it's around your three-month, four-month long-term vision. And then below that is the action steps you take in that week, the habits that you can actually put into place. Goals, we don't really know how to attain goals. Like if you think about it, like it's something so far ahead of us. Like it's kind of hard to really grasp our head around that. The only thing we can really grasp as humans, especially us men, is the moments in the present, the present moments, the habits you can do in the present. So the biggest thing is having that crystallized vision in the future, cultivating that together, but more importantly, directing the energy towards the present moment with the habits. What are the specific things you can do that can lead into that big goal. The goal is, it's important, but the most important thing is what can you do now, right? So that's what we run through a lot is that mindset and purpose and that, you know, really crystallizing that vision, I like to say. There's been very few successes or milestones in my life, which I actually set as a goal. Life just happens in really unexpected ways. So I think we have to set those habits, set those intentions, but be really flexible and open to whatever the universe delivers, right? Life is spontaneous. It's never predicted, right? If it was, it'd be a boring life, right? So there's a lot of curveballs that are thrown at us. We just have to keep swinging. That's one thing I'm really big on is like anticipating a shitstorm coming, but not in a way that's out of like like uh, a morbid way of thinking or actually wanting it to happen, but in a way it's like, okay, I'm ready for this, right? Uh, and stoicism, memento mori is such a powerful word. Memento mori. And it's basically meditation on your morbidity, meditation on your death, right? And um, it's not out of a, uh, it's not a, a very dark way to look at it, but it's an insightful, exciting way to look at life. It's like, I'm going to meditate on my death. So that way I'm more prepared with taking action on a daily basis. Like I could die tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to meditate on that. I could die, you know, two years from now, whatever. What can I get done before that death, that period of death? And like, we're all going to die, it's guaranteed, right? There's no way out of it. So how do we keep that in mind, even caught up in all the stupid stressors on a daily basis? We're so sucked into all these dumb things. Like It's like, why are we putting our energy towards what's happening in the world across the world when it's not even really affecting us right now in our lives? Like, Why don't we just take a direction towards fixing the relationship that's gone to crap because we haven't taken action ourselves? Like, That's a direct thing you can put your energy towards versus like, what's going on in Ukraine or the distractions happening with uh, the World Economic Forum or whatever. Like that stuff you have no control over. It's good to know that stuff and not be ignorant, but it's also important to focus on what you have control over in your personal life. So that's what I'm huge on, man, is that idea of like, memento mori, I'm going to die. Let's focus on what I have control over in my life and not obsess about everything else outside of me. Um, and also not just meditating on your death, but meditating on your families, on your friends, on people around you that you're close with. And it's, I want to really hone in on that idea that it's not out of like craving other people die. That's a weird way to look at it. No, it's like you're meditating on it in a way that's anticipating like, how do I work through this when it happens? Because it will happen, right? My parents are going to die. How do I work through that? Knowing that like, and, and lead my family and my sisters when that does happen. It's accepting that how temporary life is and just how short it is, not only 
prevents you from caring about those stupid things in the world, but also snaps you into action to do those little things that you might be too scared to take action on. For example, this podcast, I kept putting it off and off and off because it was something that was a little bit scary for me. But when you contemplate death and just how short our life is, something as little as taking action on a podcast becomes so much easier. I, I, I'm a huge fan of that idea. And I can relate it to when my dad died, realizing shockingly how short life is, that gave me a, a lot of drive to do things with my life. Yeah, what were some of those things that inspired you down? Two weeks after dad died, I, w- I went and did a, a triathlon, which I'd committed to doing, but instead of pulling out, I made sure that I, I went through with it because I know that's what dad would have wanted. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. And a powerful way to amplify that feeling of just gratitude, which is a very powerful frequency, and that love energy is by reflecting on moments that someone has given you gratitude. So for instance, Nick, like if someone who gave you gratitude recently, think about how good that felt. They were so thankful for you and immersed all this energy and love into you. Like, dude, I'm so thankful for all that you gave me and that moment of you, you know, thanking me for that or whatever. Like really meditate on how that felt when someone gave you really genuine gratitude. That is something that can really help us in many ways pull ourselves out of the, the holes we get uh, stuck in. Um, and I do that for a meditating meditation practice quite a bit is like when I have clients have thanked me quite a bit for you know what they've gone through. It just feels really good to meditate on those things um, because a lot of times we forget that people really do care about us. That's lovely, man. I'll definitely try that. I can, I can tell you are quite a mindful individual. How do you balance that with content creation, which is something that relies heavily on your screen, on your device? Do you struggle to find a balance between mindfulness and creating content? Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, all the time. It's one of those challenges. I'll, I'll have that uh, come up quite often. Um, however, I'm a, someone who likes to sprinkle in mindfulness throughout the day and also have just like long bouts of it uh, once or twice a week as a, a quote unquote dopamine detox in many ways. Because, yeah, my whole career, my life, my financial <laughs> wealth comes from being active online. And so if I'm not active, I'm not making money, I'm not unable to live the fruits of life. So it's something I really enjoy though. I enjoy content creation, but like you're saying, like how do I balance that, right? So for me, I'm constantly taking breaks. Like for instance, today I took a two-hour walk outside and was nude nude sunbathing just out in the sun for like two hours, reading my book and playing my flute. And, you know, I have these breaks because I create my schedule now that I'm able to have those moments of just complete mindfulness and enjoying hobbies and things like that. Um, And then I go full on into content creation or reaching out to clients or hopping on calls or, you know, all that stuff that comes into play with the tech. And so it wasn't always like this, though. It took, you know, several years to really master this, quote unquote, and I'm still in the process of mastering it, um, which is it's always going to be that way for life. Right. It's never like you get there and it's the rival point. It's like same goes for like healing. Like you don't just get healed and you're good or you don't just heal your gut and you're better for life. It's like, no, it's a constant thing you have to work on every day. Like if I stopped working out, my physique would fade, right? So it's a constant thing I'm working on. It's not like I just got my physique and I'm here. Like people think that. And I'm like, no, like I still put in the work every day and it's still worked on. So the same goes for the mindset. Yeah, for me, it's just a sprinkle throughout the day. I I really enjoy it. And I've been picking up a lot of hobbies with music lately and that's helped out a ton. Like I got a, a native flute right here. So that's been really nice. Playing that a lot lately, uh, a little metal uh, steel drum I've been playing and just doing a lot of like humming and things like that. <clears throat> the cold bath in the back, the cold soak helps out a ton with recharging that brain and just circuitry around that. So 
Yeah, man. It's, I think it's coming up with like specific habit strategies that you can use. It's like, okay, I'm pulling myself out of this. I'm going back into this, right? Um, I like to say control the mind with the body. Kind of similar to mood follows action. Rich Roll talks a lot about this, where if you're, if you're trying to get yourself out of a funk, the best thing you can do is to move your body first because your mood will follow the action that you take. But I just want to go back shortly to you playing flute naked in the forest. This is fucking awesome. Do, has, has anyone ever stumbled across you doing that? No, no, no. I got a super private area, so that won't ever happen, thankfully. But uh, we're all naked deep down. You've shared content around getting sun exposure on your testicles. I have tried this. I've got a private area on my balcony where I'll just strip down and read a book. There you go. It just feels great to be nude, right? It charges you up. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about it, man. I mean, it's one of those things that's changed my life, getting that sun exposure. I also enjoy not having tan lines. <laughs> so that's a big part of it, too. You're absorbing more, more vitamin D3 just from exposing more skin to the sun, right? Um, that's the the philosophy I have. It's There's very limited research on it actually showing that sunning your genitals is going to really boost testosterone. There's very limited research. There's one from like 1920 that says like there was a 300% increase with 20 minutes or whatever, but that's it, it wasn't even tested again or replicated. So I always go by esoteric testing it out myself. Like, how do I feel doing this? Okay, how do I feel doing that again? Right, just keep testing it out, being a guinea pig, and that's why I recommend to all you guys listening and everyone is just like test things out, don't just buy into it immediately without doing it yourself. Feels good, just so on your balls, get out there, <laughs> get nude. Right, I'm curious, do you get granular with measuring testosterone levels? I'm thinking about being more consistent with it. Once a year, I do a testosterone panel with 43 biomarkers and test all that. I, I did one the other day. You download a pathology form, take it to a pathologist, they do a blood test. And I got my testosterone results back the same day with, again, maybe 30 biomarkers giving you all sorts of different indications. Super helpful. Mm, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, it's like continually doing it where you have the other biomarkers to work off of. It's not really helpful. I mean, it's helpful to get your testosterone and isolate tested, but it's like, what do I do with this? Like, I don't, especially if you're a novice with health and learning more about health and fitness and lifestyle, it's like, you, you can't do a whole lot with that. So I always enjoy getting like the full panel of like, 30 plus biomarkers or whatever. So you can see, okay, vitamin D3 is low. That affects testosterone. Okay, magnesium's low. My cortisol's high. That affects testosterone. Like just testing all of that can really give you a better grasp of how to navigate increasing the testosterone if that's your goal. Christian, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. So much information here. Before I let you go, this is the Becoming Podcast. So one question I ask everyone before I let them go is, who is the person that you are becoming? I'm going to become a man that is leading others towards adventure and tapping into a fearless attitude of life. I think my overall synopsis is just like living with adventurous energy and playful energy. I think that's just something I've been blessed with uh, growing up as being very goofy, playful, childlike energy and holding on to that. My goal is to not become, as a negation, not become a cranky old man who's like, get off my lawn, right? My goal and my who I am becoming, not even a goal, I am becoming, and I'm going to continue to sprout this, is this adventure, this ad adventurous energy and, and getting people excited about the fruits of life and what's available at their fingertips in their reality around them, not just on technology, but 
using technology as a platform to inspire people to tap into reality and the real world. Um, that's that's my objective. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm growing into as I'm becoming that adventure, thrill-seeking dude. Christian, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate what you're doing. And hopefully I can come over to Arkansas. We can go play some flute in the forest. There we go, man. Let's do it. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get crazy. We'll get, tap into the adventure, right? The primal adventure. I feel inspired to make a few changes of my own after that conversation with Christian. Really loved how he talked about creating freedom in our mindset by choosing not to label things good or bad and making a decision in each moment, asking ourselves, will this serve me in this moment or will this not serve me in this moment? This was a refreshing approach for me because as I've spoken about before, sometimes I attach a bit of guilt to those decisions when I have a drink or I do something that goes against some of my more healthy habits. But as Christian talked about, instead of putting an umbrella over all of those things and labeling them bad, we can create more freedom in our mindset by just asking ourselves each time, is this serving me in this moment or is this not? Is this giving me energy in the moment or is it not? It's this intentionality that I really resonate with. I resonated with his approach to gut health as well being more conscious about what's going to serve our gut health, not only things like apple cider vinegar in his morning drink, but also mixing it up with things like nuts if he hasn't had that for a while so that we build a more diverse population of microbiome in our gut. So I'm going to take a leaf out of his book and next time I'm at the supermarket, be open to new foods and try and listen to my body and listen to what my body wants in that moment. That was a big takeaway for me, realizing how in tune with his body Christian is and approaching his diet and movement with that in mind. I really want to work on becoming more in tune with my body, with my diet. It's good. It's, it's pretty solid, but I'm a creature of habit and I'll generally have the same breakfast every day. What I'd like to do is move towards Christian's approach, whereby we include foods that we haven't had in a while and we listen to what our body's calling out for. Another takeaway for me was when Christian was explaining how he inserts mindful moments throughout the day. And this comes back to creating space in our day to connect with our body and calm our nervous system. So since we recorded this episode a few weeks ago, I've been making more of an effort to pull out the guitar during the day and find other methods that I can reconnect with my body. I have meditation, walking, guitar, reading, all of these things which take us away from our screens and back to our body. Christian also includes a longer dopamine detox, one or two days a week, which might be half a day. This is something that I'm striving for as well, whether it's a surf and then a walk in nature and a hike, being really intentional about stepping away from our phones for half a day. I did my own dopamine detox on the weekend. We had a long weekend here in Sydney, so went up to the national park and went for a hike, then laid on the beach, got that sun, and for about six hours, I was away from my phone and it's amazing how relaxed you feel. You can feel your heart rate dropping, your blood pressure dropping. Your nervous system is calm because you're present in the moment in nature. I hope you can find time in your week to have a dopamine detox as well. I really enjoyed that episode with Christian. It was one of the first I recorded and it's funny, even a month ago, I look back at that and I can tell how nervous I was during that interview. I'm improving so much each episode. It's really cool to look back and, and to see how quickly you grow. 
It's a good reminder if there is something that you feel is a little bit out of your reach or a little bit uncomfortable at the moment, just dive in because you'll quickly get better. A quick update on The Village, which is the Becoming Online community platform I mentioned a couple of episodes ago. I've had some great feedback. I'm so grateful for the interest in The Village. If you would like to be one of the founding members, slide into the DMs of the Becoming Instagram page and let me know of your interest and I will be able to provide more information. I'd like to get a bunch of members in there before it goes live so that we can start the party essentially and dive into some topics so that when it becomes open to the public, there's a lot of value in there. So very excited to get the village off the ground. I'm going to leave it there. Thank you so much for making it this far. And if you haven't already, consider subscribing, telling a friend. I really appreciate it. Have a great week and I'll catch you next Wednesday.